map out the impact that you dream of having, and then draw a line from zero to 100 on a blank piece of paper, because that's how long you're going to live, and decide what part of your various personal and professional and purpose-led dreams you want to accomplish in which decade of the coming years. And you don't have to do it all in this one. In fact, if you try and do it all in this one, you're likely not to achieve them all. Welcome to the Leaders with Babies podcast. My name is Verena Hefti. I am the CEO and founder of the Social Enterprise Leaders Plus. With this podcast and our award-winning Leaders Plus Fellowship program, I want to give you access to inspiration and practical support so you can continue to progress your career whilst enjoying your young children. You can take the first step today to join a network of like-minded fellows from all sectors by registering interest on leadersplus.org.uk forward slash register interest. Applications to our fellowship are open now. If you apply and are successful, you will get a senior leader mentor, access to thought leadership about what works for parents and careers, and space to think in a structured environment. Have a look at the website. Um, if you do want to apply, but have any questions, feel free to arrange a call with me to have a 10-minute chat. I think there's a button on the website to do that. Now, today's conversation is the second part of the chat I had back in February with the wonderful Aviva Wittenberg-Cox. She is an author, speaker and the CEO of 21st, a leading global gender balance consultancy. As her day job, she works with multinational firms to help them be more gender balanced. And she doesn't just work with the HR department or the head of diversity. She goes in and talks to the executive and the board so she does know her stuff when it comes to supporting parents. She's also a mother of grown children and a Leaders Plus mentor. We talk about how she deals with perfectionism and workload. Um, she shares with us why being lazy and having a high impact really aren't mutually exclusive and why you have got time if you are a woman. Um, she says your 50s, 60s and 70s may be the most productive times for women in their life. If you haven't listened to the first part of my conversation with Aviva yet, you can do so by listening to last week's episode. Now on to today's conversation. You are one of the top experts around gender equality, but I'm interested in your personal story. What's your story of combining a very ambitious career with children? I always find it interesting that people think that ambition automatically links to extreme work. And I'd like to claim or like to think that everything I've done has been about balance, including my own. And I have lived a fairly balanced life. And I think it's about, at least in my personal case, really picking priorities, focusing on what matters to me and how to maximize impact without maximizing input. I've always been an output girl, not an input girl. And I think a lot of people get those two things very much confused. So I like to jokingly summarize that I'm smart and lazy. And those are my two key characteristics. I love that. And I really want to understand what exactly you do, because I think it's a secret I would like to copy. But why don't you talk to me a bit about your workload and how you're handling it? Listen, I've chosen quite strategically, I think, 
or early on, let's say, that what my own personal values are and goals in life, right? And I know myself well enough for having done quite a lot of work. So I do recommend working on yourself, understanding yourself. It helps to be over 50. I think you learn better the older you are, but sometime on reflection of what really drives you, what really energizes you, what do you consider to be work? Like, what does work mean for you? And also, I think, to balance it out very clearly with what all your personal goals and priorities are. How much money do you actually need? <laughs> you know, I think a lot of people get mixed up in maximizing earning power, which may be what you want. I have no issues if that's actually your goal. It's never been my goal. So I've always been much more interested in maximizing impact, but in a very flexible, autonomous and light sort of way. So I love to write and I love to speak. Those are two things that have served me. Oh, and my first degree is in computer science. So I love and have always loved and always been an early adopter of every possible technological innovation. So I've been online forever. I've been programming forever. I've been actively leveraging social media for a long time. It is manna from heaven for people like me who run small businesses, but who want to have a global voice. And if you leverage all of those things, if you decide what impact you want to have, and then focus for a period of time. So I have now been focusing on this gender balance topic, first from a woman's angle for about 10 years, secondly, from a balance angle for the last 15. I hope to be coming to the end of the arc on this pretty soon. But I think a degree of focus where you go deep and broad. So knowing all about this topic, how it fits. I've read a lot. I've written a lot. So you develop a little bit of a brand and a reputation in the space. I've worked with companies all over the globe. I mean, I did devote a number of years of a lot of traveling and balancing act, but I didn't maximize it. So, I mean, I laugh when I hear some startup CEOs say they spent 220 days on a plane. Well, I don't want to spend 220 days on a plane, but I do want to have an impact on a few key multinationals over the course of a year. That's a more achievable goal that allows me to balance out life. And there are some weeks where I'll run around the globe and be very busy. And then some weeks where I'll stay home and spend more time with the family. Now, of course, I should say this for the people listening, I'm a big proponent of managing career phases. And my career has had peaks and calmer parts depending on what phase I was in. And so I should note that my beginnings in this gender space and my focus on women started when I was pregnant, as I said, with my second child at probably the age of 35 or something, I didn't publish my first book on gender balance until I was 47. And my kids were much older. And really, most of my global work and bigger impact has happened post 50. I'm now, how old am I? 58. 
So I often invite people who are struggling in their 30s to balance everything is careers now are going to be 50 years long. And I'm a real believer in women's best career decades are in their 50s, 60s, and maybe 70s increasingly. And so everything that comes before, in my mind, is preparation for your big impact years, which for women might just be later. Mm. So someone listening in their 30s or 40s, what should they do today to prepare for those big impact years in your view? Yeah, relax. <laughs> Number one, <laughs> relax. It's not, I find people particularly in their 30s, which is the crunch decade that companies don't understand. Managers are very bad at managing and women themselves put the huge amount of pressure on. It's the wrong decade for women. The whole system and everything about careers in companies is normed onto male models that are themselves obsolete because men are changing. So the 30s is a time to if you want family, have a family, <laughs> you know, park yourself in a stable job and company if you can, learn a lot, meet people, build networks and interests and keep testing what it is you want to do. Keep exploring and growing and learning, but don't necessarily think that this is going to be your key promotion years where you have to make it up the ladder. I would just throw in if you are working for companies that move people around internationally, I think it is a good time to move into countries with great daycare. <laughs> so I think a lot of Anglo-Saxons get stuck in our impossible high performance 24-7 cultures when they're having young children, when if you can get moved into a Southern Hemisphere country with lots of help, it's a win-win, right? You get the international experience and a great deal of balance with your family. Mm, is that what you did? No, but I know a number of very successful women who did. They moved early in their 30s to whether it was Japan or Africa or the Middle East, all these different places, Latin America, where you know the whole balancing equation can be dramatically different. And then they return in their 40s or even later with a lot of things in their backpack that they can leverage for the bigger impact in their 50s. And I do think, and this is my personal experience, I don't want to preach it across the board, but my foundational elements in work is my personal balance at home. It's having a happy relationship to healthy, happy, successful young people children who are now in their mid-20s and out about in the world. If that wasn't okay, I wouldn't be able to do everything else. But because that is okay, and because in those years I worked from home in my basement for many a year, so the balance between having a very international type of work, but having work be housed and domiciled in the backyard and even having staff come into that office was extraordinarily helpful in balancing. So of course, the big thing that we haven't talked about is entrepreneurship. If you run your own show, as you well know, Verena, you get to control it a lot better. And mm. as long as you're in control, you can balance. Mm. But even then you have to make choices, as you described, in terms of where you spend your time. Can you talk me through any practical choice linked to workload management that you've recently done and how you went about it? Actually, I'll preach a really strange thing, which is a little journal that I use called a self-journal. 
It's actually called Best Self, created by bestself.com. I don't usually do product pushing, but what I like about this thing that I can share with you is it gives you quarter by quarter an invitation to fix what are your three goals for that quarter and then gets you to track it over time. And I find that's what's missing often. I love to set goals. They're not like New Year's resolutions, but it is, what do I want to do this year? What are the three things I'm going to focus on? Not the 10, but the three, of which usually one is my personal life or my children or my aging mom or something, right? And do I actually spend my time in the way that I want to? And I measure a little bit through that kind of an exercise where I am spending my time. And I think the issue is most women just want to do too much, right? We do way too much and we work way too hard at each of the things we want to do. And we're way too perfectionist. So that's the other thing. I'm the opposite of a perfectionist. Are you? And yet everything you put out is just so professional. And Well, that's because I have perfectionists on my team. (laughs) (laughs) Also hire, if you're not a perfectionist, hire perfectionists, right? Make sure you have them on your team. They're very, very good balancing act. I've married two perfectionists. So balance it out, but recognize that that may not be your driver. And if you are one, realize that that's not necessarily the best way to spend your time if what you're trying to do is impact, right? And I think women would learn well that 80% rule, right? Just 80% is good enough for almost anything. And it's that extra 150% that we're doing that's killing us, right? Doesn't matter if the house isn't that clean. Doesn't matter if the kids don't have clean socks. Does it really matter if there isn't a perfect dinner every time, right? There are things that you can cut corners on as long as it's agreed and it's part of your priority list. Absolutely. It's surprising how often cutting corners with the cleanliness seems to come up in the podcast as a key recommendation and with, what? with just the house, oh, getting, the house uh, stuff, and so yeah. on uh, and i am definitely living up to that not always to the uh, delight of my partner i um, also invite people to spend as much money as they can on help ask for help all the time ask for help from families ask for help from children get children to do a lot of stuff you don't have to do everything yourself and if you can afford any extra help whether it's cleaning or in the business that you're doing. All kinds of help is out there. The upside of this gig economy is that you can find help in your personal and professional lives on almost anything. Mm. And it can really free you up to focus on your priorities. And generally, I think if you focus on big impact, you tend to have an impact on your revenue generation capability too. So I coach an awful lot of women on billing more money. I think we vastly underestimate what we contribute. I think too many women aren't, especially if they are working for themselves or in their own businesses, aren't asking for enough money. I think when they do, they usually get it to their shock. And so I think playing up the financial side, we have been, I think, very often socialized not to talk about money, not to prioritize it. I don't really care that much about money, but I sure as hell care about the value that other people put on my work and contribution, which is usually translated in their minds by money. So make sure you're getting a fair revenue for all the good that you do in the world. Mm. Incredibly important. I agree. 
I actually, I've just looked at my watch and I think I am going to ask you one more question. You have written extensively about couples. One of the big articles that sticks in my mind is that you basically say, make sure you choose the right person because they're going to be critical. Um, so assuming that quite a few people listening to this have already chosen who they're with, what's your advice to make sure that your partner really helps you to develop your career? Is there nothing you can do? Sometimes there's nothing you can do. I think having the answer to that question as early as possible is very, very important. So I do think that the spouse you choose is your most important career decision. And that's true for men, but it's even more true for women, right? So I write rather controversially in that article that ambitious working women only have two choices. Either you get a super supportive partner or no partner. That's the only two things that actually works. And so knowing early, and it can evolve over time. I hear from a lot of very successful women that what was initially a supportive spouse got increasingly less supportive as they themselves got increasingly successful. It takes a big man with a healthy ego to support a super successful woman. And so I think everything about couples is about knowing, again, just like at work, what do you want? What are you going to focus on? And being more intentional about building a really good team at home. So we learn all these team building skills at work. I always laugh because, you know, we learn how to strategize and how to give feedback and how to engage people and how to motivate them. And we don't really use any of those skills at home with what is the most important team in our lives as our own partner. So I think engaging with your partner in really mindfully managing relationships over time and learning that they will change, that they will map across career phases, that you both have dreams that might conflict and finding ways to make them cooperate in itself is an exercise. And I think giving time to it. So I increasingly know couples who are, you know, they make away days every six months where they focus on the relationship. My husband and I, we set aside one day a month for what we call our structured listening exercises, where we really just focus on the relationship and if it's going well and what needs tweaking. And it's a huge relief to both him and I that we have that place and time to address any issues that might arise before they become bigger. Mm. But yeah, if you really think that you have a spouse who isn't interested in leaning in and isn't going to be hopeless, well, I would get to grips that you will probably need an exit strategy at some point that suits you and you want to map that out too which is what I wrote about in my book, Late Love. Mm, absolutely. Which I did buy and then my partner found in a bookshelf <laughs> and asked me some questions about it. <laughs> so just to say, I'm still very committed. It's very useful for him to read it because then, you know, you learn beforehand what it is you want to avoid. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I like to finish the podcast with three concrete takeaway points. I haven't asked you this in advance, so <laughs> not to worry if nothing comes to mind. But if someone listening today is passionate about their career, uh, has a young child right now, perhaps either pushing a buggy or rushing home from work to pick up the kids from nursery, and they want to put themselves in the best position to be able to continue to progress up the career ladder, fulfill their hopes and dreams, career advice as well as family lives. What are 
three things that you would suggest they should do this week? Map out the impact that you dream of having and then draw a line from zero to 100 on a blank piece of paper because that's how long you're going to live and decide what part of your various personal and professional and purpose-led dreams you want to accomplish in which decade of the coming years. And you don't have to do it all in this one. In fact, if you try and do it all in this one, you're likely not to achieve them all. Pacing is one of the key things in both life and career. Pace your own priorities in the place that is most likely to achieve them. So again, if you're in your 30s and pushing a buggy, I'd say your priority is in the buggy. Focus on the buggy. Enjoy those years. They're fast, fleeting. That doesn't mean stop working, don't work. It means that the priority for a few years might not be work, but it could be learning and preparing for when you want to re-accelerate work in the next decade. So I think just embrace what women have brought to the business world is the decompartmentalization of personal and professional. So don't do what men do, right? Don't focus on one dimension and ignore the others. It's plan for multiple layers. It's complex, it's rewarding, and it's deep, right? And take the time to do it. And ideally, do it with your partner. Map out the coming years. It's not like a plan that's going to stay in stone. It's a flexible, constantly evolving conversation. But it really helps to keep you going. And it helps you to enjoy the present because life is much much longer than you think. That is incredibly beautiful and yet practical advice. Thank you so much, Aviva, for this conversation. I really enjoyed it. My pleasure. I uh, hope it helps somebody. <laughs> if people want to find out more about your work, where should they go? So they should go to 20-first.com for the gender balance at work and to my own website, avivawittenbergcox.com for the idea that this is all about gender balance at work and gender balance at home. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Aviva. Pleasure. Thank you for listening today. If you are interested in the issues around the correspondence between time spent and actual results, you will absolutely love next week's conversation with Alex Pang. He's the author of Short Term, the four-day working week. He has actually researched companies that work on four-day weeks and what impact that has been. In a nutshell, counterintuitively, the productivity actually went up regardless of sector or types of roles. For me, that was really mind-blowing and I loved how much practical stuff that he offered. <laughs>